HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today with Tillett, and we're going to explain what that is in a second, Jenny Goodman, Alex McCreary. Um, Tillett is, is kind of like Kodak is for film in my head. Uh, you know, well, I mean it in that way as well, <laughs> but, like, but that it's an abstract name, oh, yeah. but derivative of something that isn't, and that is the word utility. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about what the word utility means to you and what Tillett means to chefware. Um, sure. So basically when we started the company, we did the classic like business school thing where you put down all of the attributes that you plan your business to have. And then from there you try and find a name. Um, and so one of the biggest things that we wanted our, our brand and our, our clothing to be was functional and, and have utility. Um, and so that's where the name came from. It's a core value. You know, it's very important to us. Um, it also reads back and forth. It's a palindrome. I'm a sucker a for a palindrome. Like, <laughs> um, a man, nice. a plan, a canal, Panama. <laughs> yeah. It took a while for people to get past tilt. But yeah. yeah. So that was maybe a little bit of a yeah. misstep. But. Future business advice, always Google a name that you're yeah. thinking of before yeah. you actually like select it. Yeah. I mean, aside from utility, pit vents are very important to you. Mm-hmm. And we'll also explain that in a little bit. Yeah. But let, let's start in New Orleans. And am I saying that right? I want to get the right kind of draw. I mean, you can say it however you, I say New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. Yeah. 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 Commander's okay. Palace. It, it's of legacy. I mean, it, it's part of the Brennan lore of what that city is. T- tell me about both of your roles in that restaurant and how your paths crossed. Sure. Yeah. You want to start? Yeah, sure. So I was a, a lonely Tulane college student, so going to school and needed a part-time job to pay for my drinking money. And so I started working at Commander's Palace, um, also just really being into 
eating in, in, New, in New Orleans. There's really nothing better. So I started working uh, front of the house part time. And that's where um, a, a sous chef in the kitchen started hitting on me. By, uh... <laughs> I'd say it's the other way around. We have our own story. I know. I always mean to ask these things, like have a silent room and have one partner in there, then ask the same right. sort of question. <laughs> See how it we goes. would not pass yeah. the test, probably. <laughs> probably not. But yeah, so that's that's how it happened. So commanders had this wonderful um, hospitality, and you know it was really cool because the if you've ever been there, you always go through the kitchen. So, you know, we were, I was always in the kitchen and, um, you know, met Alex. What was he wearing? I mean, he was wearing horrible chef pants (laughs) that looked like pajamas, were checks and a coat that was probably six sizes too large and a toque. Yeah. I think when we first met, I I asked, well, a toque, right. And you know, the, the formality of having to wear that kind of uniform is, is, not of a bygone era. I understand its place in certain restaurants, but we're, we're a different kind of you know, sure. restaurant people these days, different kind of cooks. Totally. And, and, and we want to be expressive rather than uniform. Um, so I know you came to New York after New Orleans in hopes of opening your own restaurant. And you did yeah, so. We did. <laughs> we we did. just closed it yeah. very quickly. <laughs> but you, but you can say that you opened a restaurant here we in New York. We 100% opened a restaurant. So yeah. what was that personality uh what kind of restaurant were you trying to create or atmosphere were you trying to create that wasn't Commander's Palace? Um, I mean, the restaurant that we made was probably as far as you could get from Commander's Palace. It was um, it was built inside of a trailer, and it was probably no more than 400 square feet um, of, of the kitchen and, and basically everything that we had there. We had a yard besides the truck. Um, and then the food was uber casual. It was biscuits and stuff in the morning and coffee, and then it was burgers and sandwiches and stuff in the afternoon. We, we did some, like, southern spins to, to our food, so we definitely brought the, like, spirit of the, the menu from New Orleans. Um, but everything else was different, <laughs> yeah. well, I would say. I, am I right in saying no gas, no water, no potable water? Yeah, the truck did not have, um, or the, the, the property itself did not have water, did not have uh, sewage, did not have gas. Um, so we brought gas in, we brought water in, we had to have water taken out, which is a whole weird thing we never even thought about. Um, a very expensive thing that we didn't think about. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience, and it kind of led into the next one and it led us to be super um risk averse with this business and to do things very carefully and work with the people that uh, were buying our stuff from the very beginning and we did our homework this time around so i think you know basically we we didn't really look at the numbers we were just like oh we're gonna open a restaurant everybody's gonna come it's gonna be great and then you know your operating costs are unsustainable and you don't you know you didn't we didn't prepare for it adequately so i think that's something that was really a lesson learned for us and very humbling experience to really help us though to make sure that you do everything on the up and up and you really do your research so for Tillit spent over a year doing research and thinking about things and just trying to be very careful and and really plan and and try to you know do things I mean, and you did so getting an MBA at NYU Stern. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost MBA should stand for risk assessment. <laughs> or, or just because I know a lot of people that are in businesses and they always talk about, you know, there's there's one person that has the creative brain, one who's a little more business oriented. Um, do you see both of you wearing different hats or 
is there a common ground that you guys get to talk about till it? I think we basically talk about everything. Um, Alex definitely is the creative one, and I definitely do more of like the operations and the business side, but that doesn't alleviate the other of, of the responsibilities. So um, I think the great thing about our partnership is that we have totally different strengths, but we are always bouncing everything off of each other and we're always having discussions and like I said it's just because he's doing creative doesn't mean he doesn't ask for my input and just because I'm thinking about what's the next plan doesn't mean that we're not having that discussion daily yeah I mean part of being fair risk averse is not being 100% responsible for any decision that gets made so it's good to like make sure somebody else is along for the ride and had some way in on it so this creative impetus of actually starting this company, was it a day where you were in the kitchen and you just like poked pit vents into your chef's track? <laughs> I mean, was this always something in the back of your head? Not forever. I mean, I think it was, um, I think it was a combination of factors. I had started doing private uh, as a private chef. Um, and so I was on the street more. I was in someone's home rather than a commercial kitchen. I was the only one there wearing the garb. Um, and so when I went out on the street, I just, I felt really silly. I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel proud to be wearing the clothes or doing the profession that I was doing because I, I looked like a joker. Um, and so bringing, changing that, um, happened at the right time. And I think that also at the same time, uh, workwear in general was, is becoming much more street ready, uh, with brands like Carhartt Work in Progress and other things that people are, were going nuts four or five years ago. Um, they're still, and they still are. Um, so and I kind of wanted the chef world to have that sort of um, that sort of respect for the clothes, rather than the stuff you talked about earlier—the toque and the giant pants. Yeah, I mean, I love the term "street ready" because yeah. you know yeah. when you're either coming into work or leaving work, it usually was that change or yeah. hitting the changing room and putting on these again awful whites and baggy pants. And right. then when you left, you know, you threw on whatever clothes you brought, but it, it didn't really feel like your personality just felt like you were putting on something to get the hell out of there well and that's in new york and like a few major metropolitan cities but in new orleans where i was you, you put you woke up you put on your uniform and you took the bus or you walked or you drove or whatever it was you didn't you didn't have a locker there and you didn't change out so you literally went to the bar afterwards wearing whatever you had on and it's, i don't know how how that <laughs> made any sense to anyone until then or until now but uh, yeah. So, I mean, what does the term street ready mean to you? I mean, for us, it's, you know, you can walk out of work and go to a bar and maybe people aren't like, hey, that guy's definitely coming straight from the kitchen at, you know, Roberta's or wherever. So to us, it's, you know, we say stove to street a lot. So basically you can just walk out and whether you're just came from work or you came from a drink or from somewhere else, you look the same. I mean, and most other professions, you think about it, it's like, you know, you're a lawyer, you go to work and you go out for a drink afterwards. People aren't like, lawyer, you're wearing what you wore to work today. <laughs> so for us, that's sort of, you know, the goal. Coats, aprons, pants. Where, where did it start? Top down, bottom up? We started with a little bit of what we'd like to call a, a line. So we, we called it a clothing line. It was like five pieces, but um, it's grown now. But we started with a pair of pants, uh, two aprons, and a shirt, uh, the chef's shirt. So we had a, I had a real hard time with trying to reinvent a chef coat um, in the beginning, and we actually didn't make a chef coat until we were a year, year and a half probably in a year and a half into the company. So, so, I mean, what specifically is a chef shirt? It's you know, it's a work shirt. It's basically a reinvention of like the dishwasher shirt, um, 
but it's more fitting. It's got the functionality that a coat would have. We added functionality that, that wasn't previously on any garment in the U.S. before, which was the apron tab at the neck. Um, and since then, everybody's doing it, which I think is really great for the industry. We should have patented that damn thing. But, um, More business advice. That's <laughs> something protectable. Um, but yeah, chef shirt is basically something clean. You know, we have details like the armpit vents, the apron tab. We make it a little longer at the back so you don't get a little bit of crack when you're bending over and working. Just, just um, say that again, because that blew my mind. Again, you know, that was one of those details where everyone's experienced this in the kitchen and why it wasn't inherently part of a uniform before yeah. blows my mind it, it covers the crack when you bend over <laughs> no one needs there's to see so that. i've yeah. seen no so many it. cooks butts that i shouldn't be seeing in yeah. open kitchen no i was just gonna say in an open kitchen the last thing you need to see is like who's cooking your dinner's crack it's just not <laughs> <laughs> but that you know sharp sharpie uh pen sleeves it, it's these little idiosyncrasies that mm-hmm. you've added to you know what we've all thought as this very standardized uniform that gave it personality. Yeah, and that was the intention is to, you know, make things that were, again, utilitarian. So every little detail we really thought about. And the other thing, you know, that we like to do is we change all the fabrics and everything seasonally so that there's always, like, an element of fashion and, like, a little bit of, like, surprise and something to, like, keep you coming back and not feeling like, hey, I'm just buying the same uniform over and over again. So those are things that we've always, like, taken from fashion to try to and sort of ingrained in the line so it keeps it interesting so do you have a spring atelier show do you have a runway <laughs> we talked about it we yeah. talked about it but I don't know it's a little off brand we'll see yeah maybe one day if so what chefs would you want to walk the runway for you Ooh, that is a tough question that is a tough question I feel that one <laughs> I don't know. I would take all chefs to walk the runway. I, I think, you know, the interesting, there's so many interesting people in the industry and, you know, hopefully we make clothes for all of them. So, um, I don't know. Who would we want to see? I don't know that I can, I can go there. Well, where could yeah. we walk into today in, in Brooklyn, Manhattan and, right. and see Tillet being worn? A lot of places. Um, we just did a big project for, um, Blue Hill. Which we're really excited about. That's a neat one. They're doing a, they're doing their wasted series that they did here last year in London this year, um, and we did a whole look for them on based on recycled goods, which is really a lot of fun. Uh, we can't actually give any details on the stuff that we did until they release it. I think they're like four days out. Amazing. Um, as, as an aside, can I just say that was yeah. like one of the best pop ups I've it seen was in such New a York. Cool pop up. Well. Yeah. And the one in London sound that we did these uniforms for is going to be. Yeah. Just yeah. Super we did it super last cool. year, but we did. Was it last year or two years ago? It was, it was last two year. years ago. Oh, yeah, okay. Because we did a bunch of aprons, and we basically took all scrap fabrics for the one last year or two years ago. And um, then we were we hand-dyed them in our bathtub <laughs> and our, our to turn them all indigo so that they would have the unity to them and then put, like, the yellow straps for the wasted uh, look. So we, we went a little more... We went less DIY for yeah. this round. Less <laughs> bathtub gin. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot of work. Too. It was fun, though. It was fun. It was cool. But there's a lot of... I mean, even Blanca wears our stuff back here. Um, we just did redid Union Square Cafe's um, yeah. uniforms for their opening, which was a very big, like, oh, moment for us, because we, you know, love everything that Union Square Hospitality Group does. Um, you know, Soho House here wears our uniforms. The one Brooklyn Bridge that just opened, um, we not only did stuff for the restaurant, but we also did things for their engineers, which is really, really cool to see crossover and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I love that there is 
that other kind of line, the hotel, the spa line, the managerial service team, because, yeah. yes, there are cooks in the kitchen, but it takes front of the house and back of the house to make a restaurant run. So you get to imbue that personality through what you do at Tillet. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 fun for us because we get to make new more clothes, clothes and yeah. new, new designs and new styles that, that have different roles and different functionality to them. Um, and and traditionally, a lot of those things are the same way chefware was. That it's it's a little rough, it's ill fitting, it hasn't really been reinvented in a long time. Um, we did housekeeping stuff for the Standard in Miami, and so that was another one that was just a lot of fun to kind of do something very unique that. You know, when you think about a, a housekeeping uniform, you're not like, oh my god, that's a really cool housekeeping uniform. <laughs> but if we can do that, then that's that's what we're here for. And let you me know? tell you, this jumper that we made for the standard in Miami, <laughs> cool. every every female on our staff has been like has ordered one for themselves. It's really cool, and it's again, we really thought about like the detail. So it looks like a dress, but there's actually shorts underneath. But they wanted the ladies to be able to go to the bathroom easily, so there's snaps at the crotch that they can go to the bathroom. So we really, you know, and it's not we take everything that we do and really talk to the customer and think about how the person's going to be able to wear it and what's going to make their work life better. I can just see the situation at a bar, though, someone walks up to somebody <laughs> and says, oh, are you a chef or do you work at the stand? No, but I like their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. That That's the cool. goal. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick little break, come back and talk about customizing your own chef wear at Tillet. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan-Turkel, here with Jenny and Alex of Tillett. Um, I just want to say, you know, even though you're on the fourth floor of a building and, in, you know, on the edge of Chinatown, you can stop by. I mean, it's the new Chef's Garment District. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your address, and what should someone have in mind when they come to talk to you about a project? So we're located at 55 Christie Street between Hester and Canal. Come and visit us, and we'll send you on a dumpling tour of the neighborhood afterwards. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, basically when we're designing clothes, aprons, chef coats, whatever it is that you want, um, we will sit down and talk about what's important to you, like what fabrics, what colors do you like, what's comfortable to you. You know, what does your space look like? That's such a huge thing because now so many kitchens are open and your people, your staff, it's part of your overall decor. People spend millions of dollars on their restaurant build outs and their people should look damn good in the space. So, we'll you know, we'll look at your mood boards and all those kind of things and, and bring it all together for you. Uh, David Nana Posey opened up Elski mm-hmm. in Chicago. And I know they sent you, what was it, a watercolor or a print? And they asked you to make this into a shirt. And th- this was the first time that you were really doing a full-out customization. 
Yeah, and it took it took a while, and it was a labor of love. I'll, I'll let Alex tell a little bit about that. Yeah, we worked with we worked with Anna. We knew that she was an artist as well, aside from being a pastry chef. Um, and so we worked with her on coming up with a, a design that was her work that we could then transfer into a pattern for fabric. Um, and that was that was the biggest challenge was getting something that you know captured what she wanted that had repetition to it to become a fabric print. Um, and then transferring it, the right colors on to the fabric was a real, real challenge, um, which I think we ultimately got exactly what we wanted in the end. Um, but then we took that fabric that was printed in L.A. and then made a shirt out of it. And it was a shirt that David had worn uh, from us quite a bit. And we put a couple of tweaks to, the, to that, and that ended up being a new style. Is it funny, though? I mean, it's a beautiful shirt. It's what a French shirt with blue and white forged mushrooms yeah. on it. Do, do other people request David's shirt oh, or yeah. Anna's shirt? We yeah, actually we were sold, almost sold out of all. We're yeah, sold we out of sold both the, sizes. We did a limited limited edition yeah. run uh, online, and we sold, I think, just about most of them. It's actually so my far. favorite. I wear that shirt yeah. all the yeah. time. It's like my favorite. Definitely yeah. the most unique custom thing that we've done. It's a really, it was a really neat project. I mean, cool but you've worked with so many amazing people like Fabian Jeremiah, Contra, at least Stephen Satterfield, Seamus Mullen, Tuya. Um, what more do you want to do? I mean, what what kind of customizations are you trying to accomplish? And what do you want chefs to bring to the table to kind of progress what Tillit is now? I mean, I think new ideas. You know, when one of the things when we do custom, like Jenny said, that one of the first things that we like to do is just have people sound off on whatever their wildest ideas are, um, and then it, a lot of times that spurs something new for us, yeah. um, a, a niche or a need in the market, like the um, like the women's apron was kind of that way. That yeah. we had a couple of friends from. Um, South Carolina that came by and we're talking about how aprons don't always fit them properly. Yeah, they're like they pouch out at the chest and it looks like you have this like uni boob and then like they are you have to fold up the waist because the hip straps are in the wrong place. So you know it's like we hear stuff like that and then we're like, okay, let's send a survey let's to all of our problem, yeah. yeah, well let's solve the problem. Let's send a survey to our audience, let's survey your audience, then let's get feedback and then let's you know get some ideas going so that's how we came up with our wrap apron which is like a women's friendly apron and it wraps around like a wrap dress so it fits really nicely and conforms to the body and we put darts in at the chest and move the straps in so it lays nice and flat so we're always looking to solve problems sure i mean is there anything that's quote unquote unisex across your line so the aprons are unisex i would say um but that one's specifically tailored so um there's also the work shirts. We are unisex also, but we do a women's and a men's cut for long sleeve work shirts. Um, but we do do everything else we have like a women's version of. So, you know, the chef coat, we have men's and women's cuts, but they look identical aside from the cut. Um, Cause we want women to feel as professional as men, but have something that fits their body, which is pretty much new to the chef wear industry before us, I would say. Yeah. You know, I worked at this place bread, pizza, and I always got flour at the edge of my sleeves, and we had to wear long sleeves. And it was completely ridiculous to be asked of a task that did not fit, you know, what I was wearing. Right. Um, what tasks do you see in a, in a kitchen, um, you know, that aren't right for the clothing that chefs are wearing today? And what has to change? Huh. That's... 
That is a head scratcher. That is a head scratcher. I, I, mean, I, that... I should just email that one. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I, I, I look at kitchens and, you know, yeah. people with, with new equipment, with new techniques, There's you know, in protocol, that. something always. Yeah. Do you find yourselves in kitchens watching, like, the new yes. ebb and flow of how people cook? Definitely. And that might kind of contribute to how you build out Tillet. For yeah. sure. I mean, I, I think people do cook a lot differently than even when I was in the kitchen professionally. Um, pace has changed a little bit. I feel like there's I feel like there's a little more more people in the kitchen than there used to be. There's a lot more eyes on you than there ever was, and I yeah. think that's part of the reason why we exist. Um, you can't really be hanging around the kitchen in a sloppy apron and a and nasty pants. It's probably what I had for a while. Yeah. Um, the tools. I think that's one thing that we're we're maybe toying with is that there's. Um, because all the kitchens are open. So we do have a chef backpack, right? But there's also, it seems to be a need for a better way to keep your tools on the line. Cause when you come in with a um, knife roll or even our backpack, you can't just keep that on the line with you. So there could be some room for a toolkit that also could be used while you're working, I think is one, one idea that we've heard um, that we're maybe starting to poke around some poke around slightly at some design ideas. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's the only problem, I guess, that we're looking at. We definitely want to get in on some shoes at some point. Shoes. I think shoes. Those, oh, that's the other big thing. That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I did the whole rigmarole of whatever those plastic pizzas junk were, and then right. dance goes, and then uh, what? I mean, what is the chef's shoe look like to you now, and what do you think needs to improve? I mean, I think it's. People are wearing a lot different, are wearing different things today. They're wearing a lot of sneakers in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, the one problem is that most sneakers are not slip resistant, which is kind of crucial if you're in a kitchen <laughs> on tile floors and there's grease and all the other things that are going on. Um, again, I like the idea of it being street ready, ready to go out instead of having you know a silly pair of clogs on, which clogs are great in the kitchen. I think. And I think they have their place, the same as a toque and a, and a classic French jacket. But they're just heavy um, to carry. They're heavy, and you're not gonna. They're not really. They don't maybe fit the rest of your style when you hit the street. So something that can go in between, um, but then still have all the functionality that you kind of look for, being supportive and slip resistant and those kind of things. So. Yeah, but we need a good. Uh, we need a good partner. partner. So if anybody, <laughs> anybody no, I mean, I've always looked. I'm, I'm, I'm a Vans for life kind of guy. Yeah. But that's, that's mainly because I can't tie my own shoes. That's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, I, I've looked at the uniform, uniform, and what I had asked before. You know, top down or bottom up, and there are certain elements that just have been inelastically the same for so many years. And yeah. you know, it wasn't until I feel like a chef's personality could be different than just what the standardization of a restaurant was that that started changing. So it's nice to see personal flair come to a front rather than, you know, this very typical version of who a chef is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, and, and that's a big, a big change when open kitchens came about was that people do get to show it. And, and I mean, the chef as rock star has become, you know, more prevalent in the past 10, 15 years. So people sure. are encouraged to share their, 
their corks and those kind of things. And even like chefs as business owners and has, has, I think changed a little bit. So, you know, they're not, people are not just working in the kitchen. You're also a business owner. So you have to go walk the floor and see your customers and talk to everybody and be a manager. So the way that you might want to look to do that might be different than how it was 10 years ago. Yeah. And I love how you picked up when we had met, I said, you know, I don't really like uh, even shirts. Yeah. Um, And my college friends know I really don't like shirts. (laughs) Maybe during the summer I was, I was completely shirtless, but I wear like a little bistro apron and that's just, I think it's from going to Japan and seeing some yakitori joints like that. It was always just that little thing behind the line. And it also allows me not to put too much stuff in my chef's coat because if I have space, I I will fill the whole damn thing That's what I tell people who are like, uh, designing for front of the house they're like i need five pockets i'm like nope you don't because nope. all of your staff is <laughs> gonna put tons of shit in their pockets yeah. and then you're gonna walk around and you're like why do i have so many pockets yeah i mean are people asking you for cell phone pockets for you know uh places for headphone strings to go through and not oh, really that's the new one. The no, head- well the, those earbuds are happening now but yeah the earbuds um i don't think anyone would encourage people to be on their earphones while in the no, kitchen. In the yeah. kitchen. Front of house. We've gotten the cell phone. Head and cell phone pockets. For like definitely the inside of the chest done. of the apron. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had somebody in uh, in Austin, Philip Spear, who's a friend who's opening a new place, and he ordered that, um, but he only wanted it for him and not for the cooks. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. To have the yeah. cell phones on them all the time, I which think, is smart. I think yeah. I was telling you about that. my friend Chris Cosentino, who's always yeah. on the phone, and right. yeah. He, Sometimes you think he's talking to you, but you're not 100% sure. <laughs> yeah. He's got that tucked away somewhere in there, but he's constantly yapping right. on the cell phone. But yeah, there, there are these new tools and, and functions of a chef today that I think necessitate, obviously, new clothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, half the time the chef is the PR person that's got to take a few snaps of the new dish and sell the restaurant. Yeah, yeah? for sure. It's an all-in-one. <laughs> well, I mean, stop most places in New York and you'll see Tillett, but stop by the fourth floor of 55 Christie Street yeah, and see us. Jenny and Alex as well, and I'm sure they get you outfitted for something nice. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited that you brought me this bistro open. I hope that there's a... <laughs> no uh, sure required. Yeah, exactly. No sure required. I, I hope my uh, wife appreciates it as much <laughs> as I do. But I, I'm just so glad to see uh, Chef's personality come to a front with, you know, as much creativity as they have on the inside, you know, be be reflected, you know, through what you do. Thank so, you. Thank you for cool. being here. Thank, thank you. So thank check you. out Tillit, T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com, or again, stop by the shop. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Terkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Big thank you to Bob's Red Mill, Music by Cookies, David Tadashore Engineering, and... You know, if you haven't signed up to be a member of HeritageRadioNetwork.org, please do. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and it takes members like you to keep us bringing great guests like this on air. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. 
and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.